Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Today is Friday. It's the 9th of February, 2018. As you can tell, I am once again in the mobile studio, and I'm actually headed out to the gun range today, but before we talk about that a little bit, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, there's a couple of different ways to do so. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would like to send in an email or record your own audio, and have me put that out on the show for you. The email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, I have buttons for Facebook, for YouTube, and Twitter. And if you're ever so inclined, there is a PayPal donation button. And I think that's about it for the contact stuff. So... I'm headed off to the range, and what I'm looking for today is I'm still shooting the RMR, and I'm still using the outer impact mounting plate. And so the things that I'm looking for today is I've marked the screws, and I've tried to take some measurements. The plate does not seem to have shifted at all from the mounting. And what I'm looking for now is, as I shoot the gun more, am I, is, are the uh, windage and elevation, so the, the up and down and the, and the uh, right and left, are those going to move at all on me with, with the uh, back and forth of the slide with, the, uh, with all the, uh, the violent impact and all the vibration and all that stuff? Is anything going to move? And then what I'm also looking for today is is my point of aim and my point of impact still the same or have they changed a little bit? And hopefully they'll all stay the same. Now, it is a thing where I know I talked before about the uh, Delta Point Pro and I'd still like to shoot one of those. Um, I'm going to call around and see if I can't find a, a range that maybe has one on one of their rental guns. I kind of don't think I'll have much luck with that. It seems that with the rental stuff, what they do is they kind of put on a little bit less expensive optic um, because it's, you know, it's something that's going to go through a lot of hands and all that other stuff. And I understand that, but so we'll have to see. Um, But I am finding with a lot of my dry fire practice and things that I'm doing that if I do the proper presentation that I am not, I'm not having any trouble finding the dot. Uh, the dot is pretty much appearing for me. Uh, and kind of my hillbilly hack that I did, and you know what I should do is I'll, I should take a picture of it and put it up there for you guys. But anyway, kind of my hillbilly hack that I did where I took that little piece of scotch tape and I cut it down and put it on the back of the RMR and then I took a silver Sharpie just to give myself a reference point kind of in the middle. Uh, That actually works 
fairly well. I was surprised at kind of how well it it worked and it does give you a reference. But I'm finding even with that that I don't really need that, that I'm I'm getting to where through the present through the repetition of the presentation that the dot is just starting to appear. Again, I know some of the criticisms of the RMR were that it flickered. And the one that I got was on sale from Cabela's. So I don't know if it was a Type 1 or is the Type 2. Is the second gen. I think mine's the first, but I think maybe the fixes that I have done to it uh, so far, I haven't seen any flickering or anything like that. Uh, it's always popped right up and, and, and been on. Now the one that I have too is the RMO2 so it senses the light and it does the uh, the brightness of the dot uh, you know, according to what it thinks. So there's, there's no adjustability for me. I also can't turn it off. Um, however, like I said, in the short amount of time that I've had it and what I've been doing with it I uh, I don't see really any like major major issues yet. It's not to say that they that they um, there couldn't be some in the future, and it will be interesting to see too that once I uh, once I have to change the battery out sticking with the plate and I kind of want to do some stuff long term with that outer impact mounting plate but once I uh, get to where I have to change that battery out will it come back to zero and I guess I don't even have to wait I I, uh, I can uh, go ahead and just you know take the thing off and put it back on and see what it does um, but I kind of also want to do a thing where I'm doing a little bit more long term of okay well this was when I initially put the thing on how long did it last before I sort of needed to you know unscrew it clean off the screws and then reapply some Loctite on it um, so we'll we'll kind of see supposedly though uh, with the, the mounting system with this is very similar to the mounting system that the uh, what was I think is Duick Arms or Duick Defense, excuse me, had so I, I don't really envision too much problems. Uh, well, like I said, kind of getting back to, I still would like to do the Leupold Delta, the Delta Point Pro, just because I think it does offer a few things that are a little bit different. It, it, it does things I think that to me make a little bit more sense as far as, you know, putting the battery in and out and that type of thing. So, um, and again, this stuff, you know, for me, and I don't know, maybe, maybe later on too, I'll decide, oh, you know what? Uh, I need to take this one that's on, on the, on the pistol now. And I need to maybe just stick that on a rifle and buy a different RMR, maybe buy one that's adjustable or buy one that's this, that, and the other thing. If, you know, that's if I notice a lot of flickering or anything like that. So, all right, well, I'm pulling into the old gun range here and I will catch up with you guys here in a few minutes.
Hey amigos, we are done shooting. Well, I guess I should say, me are done shooting. As you guys are not shooting with me. I would have liked some of you that have been there with me. It would have been a lot of fun. But anywho, so the big question is, do I think that there was any change in point of aim, point of impact, or zero, whatever we want to call it, and I am, if there is, I'm not seeing it. I didn't see any movement on the, uh, on the screws where I marked those. Um, one thing that I did note, well, we'll get to that here in a second. I didn't, I don't think there was any movement in the plate uh, from just from kind of eyeballing it and looking at it. And generally, you know, you're, uh, we're pretty good at eyeballing stuff and, and being able to tell when things are symmetrical and so it, the plate does not look like it's moved at all the point of aim point of impact seems to be pretty much right on and again this is with taken into account sort of user error so what it shows me is that when I'm doing my part even at longer distances uh, and for distances that for me would be Kind of a longer shot is that it seems to it seems to be pretty much on so if i do my part it seems to dial in pretty uh, pretty accurately now one thing that i will say i do sort of see I, I used to think well why would it is it that big a deal to go with sort of the smaller dot on mine, I think I've got, what is it, the 6.5 on this thing, and then there's like a 2.3 or 3.2 or whatever. Anyway, anyway, there's a smaller, the point of that is that there's a smaller version of the dot. And I think I see why guys would maybe go with that. Um, especially when you're starting to push out a little bit further and you want to try and do a little bit more precise shooting, then obviously of course the smaller dot helps when you're when you're up close it's not that big a deal uh, and then I also the I, I did two targets this time and I put oh I'd say probably I think what I had left in the box was about 85 I think is what I ended up shooting I think uh, so it was a good session uh, and it does show, boy, I need to do some work. I really need to concentrate on that trigger press and concentrate on not having a flinch. Concentrate on, okay, just, you know, pull it, let the gun go off, and, and sort of do it that way. Uh, later on, I can work on stuff like, you know, doing the, the double taps or triple taps and things like that. But for right now... And it doesn't hurt, you know, to, for me to try that stuff now. But generally, I, I want to really kind of work on that, getting some good trigger control and getting sort of the feel of it back. I just haven't been shooting as much. And it, to me, it really shows. So, um, the one, one thing that I did, oh, and I did have, I only had one hiccup. And I, it was a thing where, a particular round wasn't going into battery and, I'm, and I, I, I went to take a shot and I had kind of a dead trigger and I'm like uh oh what's going on here and then I looked down and I saw oh the thing's not in battery and I thought oh did this thing not cycle properly um, 
So I took that round out, set it aside, and chambered another round, and it fired just fine. And so then I took that round, put it back in the magazine, chambered that, and again, the same thing. It wouldn't go into battery. So I did it again, took it out, did that, and then by this time, the range officer guy, who I'd been talking to a little bit earlier, comes up and he was like, oh, and I'm, what's going on? I go, I'm pretty sure this round is maybe a little bit long. It's maybe a little bit out of spec or something's going on with this. And these weren't reloads. These were just Winchester white box stuff. And uh, I did it again. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I can go throw that in the bullet box for you. I'm like, yeah. That's like, like let's just go ahead and get rid of that. So uh, I think that round, I think it may be a little, it was a little out of spec. Uh, there was something wrong with it because every other round chambered no problem and fired no problem. I didn't have any, one other problem. That was the only problem I had. And that was that's one of the um, few times that I've actually had uh, an ammunition-based problem. Uh, you know, and I've and it's funny because with some of my rifles, like with my AK and and uh, even with a couple of my ARs. I'll shoot the Tula stuff, and I've never had any problem with it. People say, oh, Tula's garbage, and you should never use it, and this, that, and the other thing. The rifle ammo, and especially the, um, well, I guess I should qualify it to say that what I've shot of the Tula has always been steel-cased, and it's only been 762 by 39 so it's only been the AK round. So I haven't shot any of the Russian stuff through the ARs. The, the, the Tula. I have shot Wolf through, but it has been brass. It's been the Wolf Gold. And usually I can I can find that on sale and it's pretty good. And I, I, I have pretty good luck with it. Um, I haven't really shot any steel case stuff through my ARs. I am going to try some of that and see what I think, what I like, see if I like it, that type of thing. Um, I'm also planning, especially kind of going forward I'm planning on going to some matches this and I think I talked about maybe this a little bit before but what I want to do is head down um, you guys are familiar with in range TV and uh, Carl they do their uh, two gun action matches and so I'm gonna start heading down there and I think it's it's once a month so I want to get some a little bit cheaper ammo go down there see how it runs in the guns I've also got a couple other guns, a couple other rifles that I want to take down and shoot those and sort of see how they do and really kind of ring them out in a, a match environment. Uh, now again, with with my level of shooting, I'm just hoping just to be able to maybe finish the match. Even And by that I mean I just don't get disqualified. So uh, I'm not, when I go down and uh, at first I don't, my goal isn't necessarily to win. My goal is to just be able to finish, to do the stages and be able to finish them. And if I time out on a couple of them, that's fine. I don't want to time out on every single one, but that is something that I want to go down and start doing and start getting a little bit more, what I would term maybe kind of practical shooting under my belt. You know, I know it's it's a, I know it's going to be a competition setting, but it will give me you know some added stress that I don't normally get by just going down to the range. Um, so, 
Anyway, so far, so good. I'm pretty impressed with the outer impact uh, mounting system. I plan on going every week to the range and trying to put anywhere between 50 and 100 rounds through, kind of see if I uh, notice anything different. If I notice any movement, I will uh, be sure and let you guys know. Uh, now, the other target that I shot was a hostage target. And I did that one, I think, at just seven yards, um, which would be like kind of the normal, you know, like the 21 feet, the normal distance that maybe you'd want to, you know, probably the closest you could get to somebody, that type of situation. But anyway, it's a kind of a neat little target. And what I tried to do on that target was I tried to... It's, it's got the T-zone in the face, and then it's got like a body shot, and then it had like, you know, points for hands. And then on one of the hands, I kind of, I missed the the the, the bad guy altogether because I was trying to shoot the, the gun out. I was trying to shoot like the tip of a gun, and I kind of missed on that. But the others I all, I hit on the target, and would have they, they would have been uh, a scoring shots. So they weren't, none of them were too bad. But like I said, I will put pictures of those up, and I'll show you guys on that stuff. On this particular target, it's a little bit different than the one that I shot last week. Uh, the one with the, tr it's still got the triangles and the squares, but this one has, um, I want to say maybe, it's got like four rows of four and the other one maybe had three rows of three, something like that. I, I, I don't remember. But anywho, I'd have to look at that old target. But like I said, I'll put some of those pictures up and let you guys uh, take a gander of that. You'll have to. And then what I did on the one with the uh, with the target with the uh, not the hostage target, but the other one with the with the uh, triangles, squares, circles. On some of them, I think I actually sh shot them a little better because I think I picked up the contrast of them a little better. Also, the contrast with the dot. So, I think that the, uh, maybe on, I know on one for sure on the yellow circle, and a couple of them I did a little bit better. And but definitely, you can tell as I go out in distance, those groups start to open up. Uh, and I, I was never shooting a ragged hole, that type of thing. Uh, but and I, you know, what's what's good too is I'm getting to where. I was like, oh, okay, I, I knew I threw that one. So I'm kind of getting the feel for it again. So anyway, I think that will wrap up this segment. And uh, maybe later tonight or tomorrow, I'll finish up with the, uh, with the show. I've got some stuff I want to talk a little bit more about. And um, there's, a, there's an idea I want to run by you guys and see what you think maybe to do like a raffle type thing, but it's, it, uh, we'll have to kind of see on that, whether it's something I, I, uh, I want to do. I don't know. The problem is I don't know if I could get enough participation to, uh, to, to do it. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll maybe talk a little bit more about that when I'm in the home studio, but I also want to talk about some, sort of philosophical things um, there's also one of the 
main things I want to talk about, and I've been thinking about it for a while, and I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the show in the past, but the idea of is do do we have in this country with our criminal justice system the way it's set up now? Do we have actual redemption? Do we have a thing to where if somebody goes to jail or goes to prison, and they, let's say they serve their time or they're released on parole and they do well on parole, are we are we really offering them forgiveness and redemption? Or is it a thing where they've sort of been branded with that scarlet letter forever and there is no coming back? And then what and if and if and if that is the case, what does that mean for that person? What is the what's the real message that that person is going to get and what are the real options that that person would have? And if it's a case where, oh, no, that there is redemption uh, and that you can make a mistake and you can move forward, then why, you know, I, I want to take a look at it. I, I probably will talk a little bit more, like I said, in depth about this stuff. Uh, and I also am going to talk a little bit about, I guess I can do a little bit of it now, but so obviously you guys know that I have my concealed carry permit. I live in Arizona, and Arizona is one of, what is it, seven seven or eight or nine states, something like that, and maybe a little bit higher now, that also has what some people call constitutional carry, but I think probably a more accurate name for it might be permitless carry. So you do not have to have permission from the government to conceal carry. Now... In Arizona, there are certain places where you cannot go and carry concealed unless you have a concealed carry, a CCW, concealed carry weapon permit. So, for instance, let's say you went into a, let's say like an Outback. You went into an Outback Steakhouse. They serve alcohol there. They serve alcohol there for consumption on the premises. They don't just sell it like a grocery store does for you to take uh, and, and take home and, and enjoy later. But at that restaurant, you so you are the way that the law says you're not allowed to go in there without a, a permit and carry concealed. They want you to have the permit. Now, even if you have the permit, of course, you're not allowed to while you're carrying to consume alcohol of any kind or with the uh, with the with the rise of medical marijuana which uh, their uh, medical marijuana is legal here in Arizona I think that probably if not this year probably next year I would say maybe within two to five years at the at the most Arizona will will um, legalize recreational marijuana. I think it will it will come it will, it will go legalized or it will be decriminalized you know where it's just it's not going to be a big deal type thing and again I think within that and I think here because it's come close to passing 
I do think within probably two to five years, it will be legal here, much like in Colorado. As more and more states do this, I don't know how the federal government, I know this is a little bit off, off topic, but I don't know how the federal government can say, well, no, it's still federal, on a federal level, it's illegal and it's still a Schedule One drug. And so a lot of that stuff will change. Um, you know, I, I was not at all happy with Trump's position on uh, marijuana, on medical marijuana, things like that, and who he appointed. And you can say, well, Sessions, you know, made the decision. No, no, no. That, that guy is in that position at the, uh, at the pleasure of the president. So, you know, the attorney general, he is not going to go in there and start doing stuff that the president doesn't want. So, unfortunately, you know, it goes on to another long list of stuff that I'm not too happy with Trump about. And... Some people say, well, what is the big deal about medical or marijuana or medical marijuana or just marijuana in general? You know, why do you care? Do you use, are you smoking it every day? And the answer to that is no. Um, I, I don't, I really don't think it's a big deal. In fact, I think it's pretty hypocritical for people to say, well, you know, marijuana is horrible and it's this, it's this awful thing. It's an intoxicant. It alters your perception of reality, just like alcohol does. Uh, just like, in, in some ways, you could say just like nicotine does in cigarettes. And you could probably argue on a, on a certain level, much the same as caffeine does. But nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, all those things are socially acceptable. And all those things have, well, I guess what I should say is all those things have over time have paid off the government and so I guess eventually medical marijuana and, and marijuana in general will eventually pay enough money to the government to make it worth the government's while to, uh, to to make it legal but part of the thing is too is you know with with buying guns um, the way that the forms read now is basically you can't, they're not supposed to, if you, if you were using, um, if you were using cannabis, we'll say, we'll just, we'll call it the name, and you had a legit reason for it, let's say if it did it to help, help you control seizures or it helped you with legit pain management, um, why then do you have to forfeit your your right to be able to keep and bear arms. Why is it okay for you to be prescribed Oxycontin or any of the other opioids or some of the other prescription drugs are out there and you they, they don't say anything about... Now, of course, there's a thing on there about, oh, are you abusing stuff? But if you're prescribed the stuff, what's the difference? Prescription is a prescription. So anyway... Uh, I am home now, so we'll call this uh, segment of the show to a close. The very last thing I wanted to talk about, I, was, I mentioned my wife is going through some stuff. Uh, she is wanting to get her concealed carry permit. Well, actually, I should rephrase that. I am kind of cajoling her to get it. She's going to get it. I doubt if she will ever carry, 
but there are some states where, and I don't think it's so much the case now, but it used to be if you had an overzealous uh, enforcer who stopped you at a traffic stop, and if you had the gun in your glove compartment, depending on where you were, they may consider that concealed, and they could, in theory, write her up. Now, that may be old stuff, and that may not be the case anymore. I don't know. Uh, but again, they could always write you up for it, even knowing that you're going to lose later. And maybe you just end up paying the fine or this, that, or the other thing. So anyway, I didn't want one of the, the uh, reasons I wanted her to have it was because that if, if we were ever in a situation like that, or if later on down the road, maybe she does want to carry concealed or, or maybe uh, if we ever do get uh, reciprocity. Well, I'll, I'll talk about some more of this stuff here a little later. All right, see you on the next segment. Hey, what's up, knuckleheads? I kind of time warped you a little bit. It's actually Sunday the 11th of February. When last we left off on Friday, I believe it was, I ended talking about that my wife is going to get her CCW permit. Now, I don't know if she's ever going to carry. She probably won't. But it is a good education for her. And, you know, later on down the road, if she decides she wants to, she'll already have it. And... It's funny, depending on who you call, there are a huge uh, difference between what company A wants you to do and what company B wants you to do. So company A may say, well, you know, you need to take the eight-hour course and you need to take our intro to handgun course and you need to do our intro to safety course. And they want you to do three or four different courses and they're doing it because they want to drum up some money. Other companies are like, hey, we want you in if you're going to carry... We'd at least rather have you come in, get your permit, and we'll give you a two-hour course on these are some of the legalities, these are some of the things you need to think about, and at least you, you at least kind of start your, your knowledge base a little bit. And that's kind of, I think, the, the course that my wife is going to go. Now, she knows probably a lot more just because she and I have had several discussions on where you can carry, when you can, when is it a good idea to go this, there, you know, that's that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. And if she ever did want to start to carry, I would definitely have her do the, the at least the MAG-20 and probably the MAG-40 uh, just so that she has the knowledge. Now, do I think that you should be required to do this stuff? Absolutely not. Do I think it is your responsibility and, and you are doing your due diligence by getting training? 100%. I think you should. I think you should at least get as much legal knowledge as you can and educate yourself and constantly educate yourself on what's going on. But it should never be required because what we see is when the, when you are required to do stuff, if the, uh, the bureaucrats that get in there, whoever, or the tide changes politically and all of a sudden you're required to do this every year and at a certain cost and they just keep adding things, they keep nickel and diming you to where all of a sudden Either, number one, you can't afford it, or you're just like, I can't, I just can't jump through these hoops anymore. And and people will do one of two things. They'll either jump through the hoops no matter how onerous, which is probably what something like I would do, or certain people will just say, well, the hell with it. I'm just going to carry and let the chips sort of fall where they may. Now, 
I think what's going to happen is over the years is that we're going to probably get reciprocity eventually. We'll get some type of national reciprocity. I think it will probably be some type of some type of a federal program that will probably have a lot of hoops and stuff, but eventually you'll get to where there'll there'll be some type of federal license that you can get. And if you want to do it, you know, you can do it that way. It's hard to say. I I just don't feel that they're ever going to be able to say that you're going to get a state like California or New Jersey or Hawaii or Massachusetts to sign off on something that like you're going to have in Arizona or Texas or, or New Mexico or, or Utah. Uh, I, I think they're going to want so much more stuff that it's going to kind of put the kibosh on the deal. I mean, I, I would have said probably not too long ago that there would have been certain states where they just it would have been all but impossible to do it. And it's still kind of that way now. Eventually, I think what will happen is eventually all these other all the holdout states will eventually go to shall issue. I don't think that legally some of these other states like California, New Jersey, places like that, New York, are going to be able to hold out when every other state has shall issue. And once that happens, I think that's when we'll probably maybe see some reciprocity come through. Also, what's going to happen is over time, you're going to see more and more states are going to go to models like Alaska, Vermont, Arizona, where you don't need a permit at all. Um, But anyway, I will keep you guys kind of informed just as a a curiosity and, and kind of give you my wife thoughts on what she thought of the program, what she kind of thought it was good or bad, that type of thing. So she has now, it's funny, she has done some uh, some training in the past and she kind of, when she does it, she kind of likes it, but she kind of, she gets nervous about going to it. But once she's there, she generally enjoys it. So one of the things that I'm going to try and do this year is we're going to try and start doing some of the rimfire stuff. So we want I want to start doing, and they have some family uh, programs out at, uh, oh, what is it? Rio Salado is one of the gun clubs out here. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think they have some silhouette things where you do it with a, with a 22 with a little rifle. And I think they have some pistol stuff that you can do. And I think they also have maybe the steel challenge, but for 22, for a 22 long rifle. And that is where you've got basically five plates and then you, you, you shoot them. And then your last one is sort of the stop plate. So you you know, bang, 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 and then you do certain runs and all that other stuff. So I, that's definitely some stuff that I want to do, and I'll try maybe if uh, if we can get that going. I'd also like to get some film of that and put it up on, on the old YouTube and maybe throw it up on Facebook as well. All right, so enough of that nonsense. Um, I was also talking a little bit about, and I the show is, I think, just the uh, the stuff in the truck was probably about 25 minutes or so, approaching the 30-minute mark. So I don't want to go too much further today with stuff but one of the things that i talked about in there was is there redemption in this country so if you made a mistake and broke the law and let's say you went through and you sort of paid your price is there redemption for you or are you forever a second class citizen are you forever branded well you're not you sorry you did this and so you're never going to get that 
you, you know, you no longer are able to vote. You're not, you're never. So if you did something when you're 20, you could spend the next 40 years being a model citizen, but it doesn't matter. Can't own a gun, can't vote, can't do this. And I think in looking at some of that stuff, if we're, if we're looking just at reform in general, we sort of have to look at what are what are our laws set up for? Why do we have the laws that we have? And what are truly crimes? Are these quote-unquote crimes against the state or are they crimes against people? Are they crimes where there's a victim? Is there a crime against property, against a person, against their ability to make a livelihood, that type of thing? Or are they kind of status crimes? So crimes where you were driving in your car and you had a, a, a uh, all the proper paperwork in your state to have a firearm with you and you went over that border. Maybe you didn't realize it. Maybe you did. Maybe you thought you could and you made the mistake of doing that. You get stopped for a traffic violation and now you're looking at three, maybe five years in prison and you really aggressed against no one. And when I put it into those terms, a lot of times, you know, most of us are pretty law and order bunch. And by that, what I mean by that is that we, even if you maybe wouldn't couch it in these terms yourself, but in a libertarian philosophy, there's a thing called the non-aggression principle, which basically means, in in a very simplified version, that you're not going to use force or violence or the threat of violence or intimidation to get what you want. And you also don't want somebody else to do that for you. If you can't get it voluntarily, then you just have to do without. And you don't... And that that not only goes for yourself personally, but it also should go to the government. So... The government shouldn't be able to, on my behalf, force somebody to pay their money to build a library or to build the roads. You know, that's always a big one. But anyway, I don't want to get too far down in the weeds because, like I said, we've already already, um, had some time on the mic today with you. But what I was thinking about doing is maybe doing a little bit of a kind of a philosopher's corner or a, uh, since the name of the show is Firearms Cafe, maybe we could have a philosopher plate where we kind of look at different thinkers, you know, not only in America, but, you know, uh, in other countries as well, and say, you know, what does this person have to offer? What did this person think? You know, if we look at guys like uh, one of one of the guys who's one of my favorites, and I didn't agree with everything the guy said, but I liked a lot of what he said, was Lysander Spooner. And uh, he was in the oh, mid to late 1800s, I guess. I think he died in the late 1800s, something like that. Uh, but anyway, I think one of his treaties or pamphlets or whatever you want to call it that I would recommend for you guys to read is uh, one that he wrote called Vices Are Not Crimes. 
and the the language that that it's written and of course it's you know way back in the 1800s when he wrote this stuff is it's a little different but you can follow it uh, but he makes the point and he makes a lot of good points in there and we'll go over maybe some of those things in a little bit uh, in depth on some other on some following shows and upcoming shows but let me know if you guys would like to do something like that or if that would be interesting to you. What I may do is I may put it toward the end of the show. It's where if you don't like it, you can always just fast forward through it and uh, jump on over there. Uh, but there's also some guys like Murray Rothbard. You have guys like uh, uh, Mises. Um, there's some, some modern guys that I think are good thinkers and that, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of rail against the state. So you got a guy like Lou Rockwell. So I, I may do some of that stuff and we may kind of continue sort of our, our discussion on can you ever truly be free of the state once you've committed a crime? And should you ever, what rights should you get back? What rights should you have taken away from you? What crimes, what really constitute a crime as opposed to sort of like a status offense, that type of thing. So anyway, um, some other stuff by Spooner was, uh, oh, what did he write? Uh, no Treason, I think, was one. And then he also, early on, I think one of his first ones, where we talked about how the Constitution didn't support slavery. Later he went on and kind of reversed that. But uh, again, there's, there's uh, another one about uh, trial by jury where he talks, I think, a little bit about what we would call jury nullification, that type of thing. So like I said, an interesting guy, a brilliant guy. Why don't I go ahead and wrap it up and we'll, we'll sort of take it back uh, to what I was talking about with the RMR stuff again. Over on uh, Facebook, and then I'll try and put them on the website as well at Firearms Cafe. Dot com. I'm going to put with uh, on, on this, on the show number 157, I think is what we're at today. I will put over there some pictures of the targets that I shot. And then I'll also put some pictures of the RMR mounted on the Glock. And I'll show you that little thing. And I'll also show you the little uh, hillbilly hack that I did where I put the little piece of tape on the back and then put the little bit of Sharpie on there. And like I said, it, it, it did, it worked out pretty good. So, all right. I think, I think that's going to do it. Let me know what you guys think, or if you have any recommendations, if there's certain, uh, again, for lack of a better term, we'll call them philosophers or certain schools of thought that you like, or that you think, uh, go ahead, write in, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I don't know that we'll ever do any like book club, but we may do something like that where I used to do over on, uh, on armed ape. I used to do have kind of like a, a section where I'd recommend certain things. And so maybe we can do that as well. All right, I will uh, talk to you guys next time. <laughs>